Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Hello, Andy. Hello, Jessica. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, everybody else. Yes, we're, we are recording an early morning introduction right now because that's how our schedules work. Uh, we'll be talking about The Cage. And this one got really interesting. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Turn this off. Do it. Come back uh, when you're ready, because we talk long and hard about this one. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is a this is a really it's a fascinating conversation, and it goes all over the place. So if this is your first experience with beginning the track, start off with episode one because this is meant to be taken in order. Let me remind people that this this episode, The Cage, is the original pilot that did not star William Shatner. It starred Jeffrey Hunter in the role of Captain Pike and a whole different crew except for Mr. Spock. So um, uh, that's what we're, we're doing today. So it may sound a little different. And Jessica, are you ready? I'm ready, but I can tell you right now I didn't make the 10 sentences because this was really in-depth. Okay, got it, got it. All right. So let's hear the synopsis for The Cage. All right. It is about a decade before Captain Kirk is a thing, and Captain Pike is getting a distress call, which he chooses to ignore and goes to his quarters. A doctor who is not Dr. McCoy recognizes the extreme crabbiness going on in his pants and offers him a martini and advice on continuing his career. They get interrupted with a message that the the distress call does in fact have human survivors and it's worth it to send a landing party to investigate, but not before taking a moment to say how uncomfortable it is to have a woman on the bridge, but it's okay because number one, who's extremely beautiful and smart, is different. The landing party finds a bunch of scientists and quite a little cutie pie, Vina, who takes off with the captain, who is promptly kidnapped by aliens just as the camp of survivors disappears. Turns out the aliens on the planet, Telosians, have mastered the ability to read minds and make illusions believable in every way, but by doing so, have allowed themselves and their planet to die. Pike wakes up in a cell next to other aliens in cells, and they start experimenting with his brain and trying to get him to do the whole Adam and Eve thing with Vina. Pike rejects most of their clunky green slave girl attempts at tantalizing him with her, but he does learn that extremely primitive emotions surprise the Telosians. The ship tries unsuccessfully to get Pike out, but Spock knows things and tries to get a landing party down to do something or other. The only ones to make it from that landing party are the ladyfolk, a yeoman and number one, who are also put into a cell with Captain Pike as an option to Vina. Vina gets very pissy about this. The yeoman is flattered, and number one is trying to use her brain to figure out how to get them out of there, while the captain keeps up his primitive emotions to keep the aliens out of his brain. He does a pretty good job of this and manages to surprise the Telosian and threaten his life and get out, to get out of the cell. Number one eventually sees that the aliens need them and threatens suicide by overloading her laser pistol. The aliens say that since humans don't like to be in captivity or used as slaves, they'll just let them go and go extinct, but keep Vina and give her a fake Pike because she just liked him that much. Pike and the rest get back to the ship and he starts being a jerk pretty much immediately. The end. <laughs> And if this synopsis didn't tell you what you needed to know about how I feel about the cage, well, the rest of the conversation. There's definitely a little <laughs> bit of your opinion inside of that synopsis. I could hear it. I could definitely hear it. Yeah, and for good. more, let's talk episode. So I'm just going to start off with things that I noticed had changed. Uh, one, is Spock green or not green? 
because it seems like I've noticed he's green in not super duper green, not like green like the Orion slave trader green was going on in that scene, but like green enough that he wasn't green in this. Is he supposed to be green? What's going on with his skin? So they made some changes to Spock, uh, as you could tell. Um, among them were his skin tone. Yes, he has a much greener tint to him. Uh, his blood is supposed to be green as well, uh, which they will talk about. And you'll you actually see him bleed at, in future episodes. And it's green. I thought he looked a little bit kind of almost a pink or a, you know, like a red hue to him, which I I don't think it worked at all. I thought um, it was maybe like a lot of other stuff. It's just old. And that was just color processing way back when. And he just came off that way. It crossed my mind. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, this, they established a lot more tech and kind of the basis of the science for the show. I hadn't seen that before, but like the, the cute little printer that spits out and then turn it on and I'm like, oh, it's a printer, but it looks fancy. Like, it looks like what they would have thought it would have looked like in the future. Right. Which, for me, I know, I have, it's it's a little bit charming because I'm like, oh, that's so cute. We're so far past that. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and that's, you know, as we've been doing these shows, I one of the things that's been really fun for me is seeing their vision of the future that came true in a lot of ways. Yes. Wasn't necessarily used the way that we are using them today. And now we've even gone past some of what they what they thought was going to be 300 years in the future we're doing now right and, right and we've gone and we've gone past so to see to see old technology that back when it was on this show hadn't even been thought of yet you know it, it, it's kind of like watching a bogart film you have to put yourself in the space where the unsophisticated is acceptable and I will say that that is very, very difficult for me to do. I fully, it takes me out of the scene a lot of times, it, whether it's the makeup or the mm. set paintings or whatever it is. It's so unsophisticated. And I have a very hard time keeping with the story and the characters because it just feels fake. And there's a reason why we've spent so many years trying to make it look real. We want these experiences to be completely immersive. Mm. Uh, and that's just a whole lot easier to do with technology as it is now for film so sure sure well and and one of the things i noticed watching it this time because it really was looking at at the cage and i watched mm -hmm. the way the enterprise flew through space and it didn't look right to me the the angles on how the ship was flying seemed funny that didn't quite work the the star field flying by while they show everybody yeah, staring forward like a montage as, very as weird the, as as it faded in and out yeah it just i didn't get the same feeling of i'm flying through space that i got that i've gotten from the captain kirk show oh and see I end up comparing it to like Firefly because I know it's CG, but it's CG as though they've mounted cameras on a ship. And when the ship turns, it feels like it's in three-dimensional space. This very much feels like this is up, this is down, the stars are in front of you, the darkness is behind you, and we're going on a level plane. And it doesn't feel like space should feel, I think, that was just a little bit harder to portray back then. 
and and again, we're watching a show that was made in 1964. Right. This particular episode was made 50, what, 53 years ago-ish. Um, wow. That's like too close to my birthday for me to be com- comfortable about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't even imagine 50 years ago. Literally. So just not I mean, I can use my imagination. Sure. So, you know, for then there there was no Star Wars. There was no two thousand one. Well, there was no NASA the way it is now. There was no actual space shots the way we have now. I just it was it's interesting just to see the development from sixty four to sixty six when they moved to the t- mm. to this TV show. And what will also, I think, be interesting is as we move from from the original series into some of the, the later series, what are you going to see then? Because now we're looking at, you know, 30 years later, but we're also looking at a vision of a future 80 years after, almost 100 years after Captain Kirk's time, too. So uh, it'll be interesting for you to see that technology and see what that looks like compared to today and does it – take you out as much well if you're gonna go that far i'm kind of excited because i like to watch things in order so i'm excited to be doing this and getting all of the backstory and everything that runs up to but i'm excited for this new show maybe older trekkies won't like it as much who knows maybe they'll do a phenomenal job but maybe it can be like for me it doesn't it's it's a little it's so much more what i expect that i can get more immersed in it I'm hoping. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. And and um you know, when the next generation came out and and everybody that had been a Trekkie for a long time got their opportunity to judge a new show before it hit the airs. Right. There was a lot of resistance to it. A ton of resistance to it. Um Captain Kirk is the only captain. Uh blah 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 blah. Just just a lot of that stuff. Everybody's got opinions. And yet, um, its success is is pretty much not disputed. Uh, and then the same things happened with some of the other iterations. And yet, Star Trek continues to endure, continues to change. And as long as it has its same core to it, which you'll figure out what you think that is for yourself, um, I think it's it's going to continue to endure. But we'll see, right? We'll we, see what we they give see. us. There, there are some things that I'm really happy they changed from this pilot to the TV that I've been watching. Okay. For one, the captain is a complete Krabby Pants jerk. I don't know if you see this anymore because there are characters that I'm like, oh, he's not a jerk and you forgive him later on. But he's a total jerk to everyone except like the aliens well and even then it's because they're hostile to him so you feel like it's okay but even then he's he chokes one of them out a little bit but it's, he is such a jerk uh so i'm happy that they changed that because it's not as much fun to watch him yelling at people as they might have originally thought uh and i can see how changing it to be more iconic and even a little simpler not just in terms of costumes and storyline but somebody out there had a very smart idea of making the command staff be very distinct and purposeful with accents and different nationalities and i that was clearly a huge change from what this original pilot was thought to be and what it ended up becoming and i was 
kind of happy for that because if you look at this, there are maybe four guys and they look very, very similar. And if you don't know their faces, they could all just kind of fuzz into one guy. So I'm glad that they- You're, you're, like, you're talking about in the in cage. In the cage, yes. In, in the cage, yes. there's a lot of these guys, they look very similar. And moving to that iconic thing, re- I can see it totally helped the show literally be more iconic. Uh, the change of the mm-hmm. shirt colors. Somebody had Somebody had an eye for that way back when, and I think it was a good idea. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking. Were there even red uniforms in the in the cage? There weren't. Nope. I I didn't even notice that while I was watching it. But as I'm thinking back right now, I only remember the yellow and the blue, and uh, and then the the you know like the doctor smocks and and things like that. There was um, a very cool jean jacket that he's wearing when he goes to the illusion of going home on Earth. He's wearing this jacket, and I would love to have that jacket. It is a cute jacket. And his pants, too. He's got these little black boots on. I would, ta- I would steal his entire outfit right there. Anyway, that's side note. <laughs> he looked adorable. So since we're talking about, about the differences between the two, let's really, let's really talk about, about how, this, how this show had to change the things that happened between the first pilot and the second pilot that Gene Roddenberry was kind of required to do in order to get the show. Okay. There's a second pilot. They actually did this pilot and then they did a whole nother pilot. Yes. 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 What's the second pilot? Um, so this, this was the original pilot. It was called the cage, uh, which you have now seen told by Gene Roddenberry himself. And if you want to listen to the actual one, this was on a album, a vinyl album, for those of you that remember vinyl way back when. Is somebody be able to listen it's, to you this? You can actually listen to it now on YouTube. Okay, we'll put a Thank link up. Thank you, then. YouTube. Yes, we'll put a <laughs> link up because you can listen to it on YouTube. Okay. So, so the album was called Inside Star Trek, and uh, it had uh, Gene Roddenberry, and he was doing some interviews, including uh, he interviews William Shatner. He interviews DeForest Kelly. But one of the things that he does talk about in this album is um, how he had to make two pilots of Star Trek to get it on the air. The first pilot being The Cage, which the the networks loved. But they said that it was too, too cerebral for the current television audience. That uh, there was there was too much science. There was too much smart. There was too much uh, high concept science fiction. Um, they also said that they had two character problems. They said that uh, the female that was in, in second in command, they they really couldn't. Uh, get behind. This is the network executive. I, I, I would just, I want to stop you right now because I thought number one was phenomenal and I'm sad she doesn't show up. Me very, too. very sad. She, that was a great character. I loved her as you were. <laughs> we'll talk all about that. Yeah. That was one of the problems that they had was they didn't, they didn't see the female character, this non-emotional female being in charge. And, uh, and just to, to, to point out the intelligence behind that remark, they said, and while you're at it, get rid of the guy with the ears. Oh, right. Shame on both of them. Yes. So their character problems way off on being problems. There weren't problems. So two of the best 
things in yeah. that show, in that in that pilot, I think. The character idea of, just the idea of this alien character. Right. Um, and he was emotional, and he was a little excitable, and he was a little redder than greener. Um, but, but he was a great character. And then the non-emotional second-in-command being a woman, they just, they couldn't, they couldn't see those two characters and all the arguments that Roddenberry had, he just knew he couldn't keep both characters. So he compromised and he combined both characters and we ended up with the non-emotional second in command alien, Mr. Spock. Mm-hmm. He then married the woman. Because why wouldn't but, you? She but as he says, he, he couldn't have done it legally the other way around. Uh, but but <laughs> maybe time. today he could. So there you go. Um, but that's his story of, uh, of that. And I, I, I went back and I listened to that album. Brought back amazing memories, by the way, for me this week. To I, Like it was one of those things where I said, I remember that interview. And I wonder if I could find it somewhere. And, you know, good old YouTube uh, had it up there. And it's really a great album. Um, Shatner talking about uh, some of the squabbles that he had on set with 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 Leonard Nimoy, and uh, he likened it to two brothers bickering <laughs> uh, over over trying to get the attention of of the parents. And so it's it's a great great interview. And if you've already if you've already watched uh, the original series, um, we'll have a link available for you. You can listen to it anyway, but there will be spoilers in it if you listen to the. Uh, some of the uh, some of the other interviews. So there you go. I would like to say I mm-hmm. do. After watching this, I know it's easy to be rolling your eyes, and I very much roll my eyes at the opinion that a woman isn't hysterical and therefore can't be believed as a character. But I might be taking that just a tiny bit personally. <laughs> uh, no, I listen. I don't. I, you know what? No, I don't have to caveat that. That is a BS thing to say. Ever. It's a total BS. And thing she to was say. a great character that could have grown into something extremely good for the the crew and the ship and storylines in general. Uh, I I liked her a lot. I think she may have been my favorite thing about this ep- this episode. Or if you want to call it, it's kind of its own little tiny show, since it never happened again in that form. Hmm. Did it never happen again? Hmm. Oh no. Ah. Does number one come back? Well, remember, <laughs> remember what I said about how the, 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 the cage was never seen in its original form until much later, until okay. years later. Right. They remade the cage. They didn't remake the cage. What they did was oh. they used the footage from the cage and they created a two-part episode called the menagerie and you actually get to see about 75 80% of the cage as a it's kind of a flashback it's it's more sort of a courtroom drama and it's presented as evidence but it's huh. presented in its historical context because that story did in fact happen on Talos 4 it is a part of canon it is a part of what happened, and we will get to see what happened with Captain Pike later on. 
Wait, does this happen in another series? Like, this isn't in the original series. This is series. in the original series. This happens in the first oh. ser- season of the original series. See. There is a two-part episode called The Menagerie. We're not going to watch that in this 52. How- however, okay. it's one of my recommendations for the week is to go back and watch because it. Because you love it, right? Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> um, and, Shocking. And, and what they do is, is they will combine the – all the footage you saw, including Spock with that big giant smile on his face, which I'm surprised that they put that in there, but they will put that into an episode with Captain Kirk, with Mr. Spock, the non-emotional Mr. Spock, with the crew of the Enterprise we know today, and with what happens with, with Captain Pike of that era. Because Captain Pike was part of the Enterprise crew before Kirk. Okay. I'd be curious to see it, but I don't know if I'm going to. I did go back and watch uh, What Little Girls oh. Are Made Of or What Are Little okay, Girls Made we'll, Of. Let's talk about uh, that. Put a pin in that one. But it's, put a pin, we'll put a pin in that one. But I want to let you. I, I did do that. Uh, which gives me even more respect for number one. Because, thank God, not a simpering saccharine, oh, but I'm so pretty. They tend to do that a lot, and I've only seen four episodes, and it drives me crazy. Like, I understand having the young, beautiful thing, and I particularly understand it in this story, but man, does that get old real quick. It it does. And and so So fast. Here's one of the things that that I hope hope you take away. I take away from, from watching this, certainly. You can see the original vision that, that Roddenberry had. Even back in the 60s, he wanted that strong female presence right there, not just in the command crew, but second in charge. When they do that scene in the in the conference room and mm-hmm. she is running that meeting, yeah, there's a moment where she pauses to, to contemplate what's next. She gives the orders, and that is the last word, and they walk out on her last yeah, word. Yeah, they all – they talk about it, and everybody gives, you know, here's what I know to be – let's think this through. Mm-hmm. I was really – I was loving that because I feel like some of the table scenes haven't been very thoughtful yes. of let's think this through. And the doctor actually saying, you know, if they can control illusions – then let's think of it. Let's think this through. And then, but the nice moment was when they all turned and they were like, okay, then what do we do? And that went right back at her and she made the decision and the decision was executed. Uh, that was a, that was a very nice moment. I will say, and this was going to, this is what I was originally going to say back when it's really easy to look back and be like, oh, that was so silly that they couldn't see the vision that it was too cerebral. However, this is too cerebral. It does not work as visuals. It doesn't. And I'm not saying that because people, I don't expect people to be smart and get it. I completely expect viewers to be able to keep up. That's not my problem. My problem is that they took something that works really well as a book. And they said, let's make this a movie because, or a TV show, because TVs and movies are the epitome of media. Only it doesn't work as well as if you, if I were to read this story, I think I would enjoy it a lot more because you can put in uh, telepathy, you can put in illusions, you can put in the feelings so, so much quicker and so much easier than you can in a visual where they have to say, I am going to be full of rage now because the alien can't read that. And it's so clunky. So I actually agree with that. 
this is far too cerebral of a story to be telling it on a TV show. Well, and and what you end up with is some is is a mix between what Roddenberry first gave us mm-hmm. and and what the executives tried to have them dumb it down to, which basically it was sold to them as wagon train to the stars. It's a Western in space. So it's lots of six shooters only with laser pistols and, you know, weird aliens that we can shoot at and we can shoot at all those we want because, you know. They're not real. They're not real. You can kill all the right. aliens you want. Um, so that's what, you know, that's the way it was sold. And and instead, he makes this pilot, The Cage, that was ultra cerebral that did have this it's a highly intelligent story and it would make for fascinating reading mm-hmm. but you're right it's it, it is it's way up there you know in terms of in terms of you really got it, it mainstream would have a problem with this and they wanted a more you know their network they wanted a more mainstream show I don't think it's even mainstream I don't think it's that I think it doesn't translate very well there are just stories that are, you're not going to get it. It's not going to be as good of a story because you told it in this medium and it doesn't work for this medium. It's not that the audience is done. I think that they were spot on. It just didn't work. And I can, I can see that. And some of the elements still don't translate. I think, uh, because it, they're still trying to pack too much of this story that isn't visual into a visual medium. I honestly think it doesn't work. Even in, the not the cage but even in the episodes that i've seen so far I, I have a i have a hard time i because you end up having to talk through some of the stuff that's not visual they can read their minds okay either you have a visual indicator of that which is the pulsing head mm-hmm. which looks funky and it's a little creepy isn't it even yeah, it's it's creepy so let's hope you're going for creepy alien which well, worked this I, time I, I think they or, were going for creepy alien this time I they, think that, I it think worked especially yeah they were definitely going for creepy especially when they're watching they're like the creepy guy who's like around the corner just like with his hands up like peeking over the fence they had that vibe the first re- it know, was I creepy the first reveal because because mm-hmm. um while Panning while, back from the TV. Meet- yeah, exactly. While they're meeting the yeah. the survivors of the crash, right? Who are just the just mm-hmm. an illusion, but you don't know that. The the audience gets to see first the survivors, then the meeting, and then the audience becomes privy to the aliens that are watching from you know from the shadows, watching through mm-hmm. the through the screen. Um so we are let in on there's a lot more nefarious going on here. I liked that reveal. I kind of liked the way that they they present us. It's interesting though that what I, I'm I seem to be enjoying the slower pace, and, and I've noticed in our conversations over the last couple of weeks that what I think is a nice you know a nice slow reveal of this mm-hmm. and that might be a little too slow for you. You're you're looking for come on, show me something, show me the next thing, show me the next thing. Uh, yeah, and you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of slower, slower stuff going on in these episodes. Maybe 52 minutes is a little long for some of these stories. Well, and see, and that's funny because I think in the last several that I've watched, I've thought this is way too much story for this episode. It was it was the same thing with the time travel. They just tabled. 
time travel. They just tabled it as like this aside when I feel like that opens up the most enormous can of worms. And this too, they just, they didn't table it, but they did not spend nearly enough time delving into the illusions and if, and the problems that that creates. Instead, Mm -hmm. they spend all of this time being like, we're going to create a husband and wife situation between this. Oh, you don't like that? Okay, we're going to make her a green alien dancer. Oh, you don't, it it just, like, the tangential stuff. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is what I have a problem with. All of that seems fluffy, and they don't address the stuff that I I have such huge problems with. Um, I don't know. Because I got a little lost on this one. I enjoyed it, but I got a little, like... This is so big. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't, you have all of the control of illusion. It makes no sense that ending. I'm trying to watch it through through your eyes a little bit, right? So I am I am scrutinizing it a little bit from mm-hmm. what if I hadn't seen it before? And here was something. Here were a couple of things that I saw this time. The mm-hmm. first was when the Telosians actually kidnapped the captain. Why do they actually allow anybody on the Enterprise to see them? They have the power of illusion. Right. Yep. He could just be standing there talking to the girl. But if they don't do that, then the Enterprise can't see that this has happened. Mm -hmm. And and we don't get any of the how are we going Mm -hmm. to rescue him stuff. We don't get the landing Mm -hmm. party. We don't get the – we don't get the – um, the laser, uh, any of that stuff. Right. Again, scrutinizing with a new eye. I'm trying to figure out how that wireless power transfer actually worked because that was, if that's a wireless power transfer coming from the enterprise, that's cool. That's, I'm impressed. Uh, cause I didn't see any cables. <laughs> they just pumped power right into it. See, and that I had a whole lot easier mm-hmm. time accepting. I'm like, oh, they're in the future. They have fancy technology. That's fine. That that doesn't bother me at all. In much the same way, they can travel faster than light. Cool. You told me that that can happen. I completely believe you. Awesome. You told me that they have the power of illusion. I completely believe you. At the very end, when they get him, they're like, ha ha, we've got you to the surface. And then they're like, oh, but we see that you guys don't like slavery, so we're just going to let you go. Well, if their entire point is that they want to rebuild the life on the planet and that they could use them essentially as a slave race, then why don't they just like give the illusion that they've actually killed all the aliens or that the they've defeated them somehow go back underground also make it look like the ship is done in some kind of way it got broke because of spock i'm sure he messed something up he pressed the wrong button something happened it falls to the ground well now they have to rebuild what are they going to do just create a new existence all right then the aliens have exactly what they wanted why would they do yeah there's all kinds. i think they made it way too powerful and then to push the story forward had to pretend that some of that power didn't exist. Yeah, or or to stop using what was basically an innate ability that they had suddenly at the end. And and that you're right, there was something about that that didn't quite make sense. The the mm-hmm. other thing was their motivation to do this nefariously. Right. Why didn't they ask for help? And I recognize that he does that the keeper does say you your race would learn our power of illusion and destroy themselves too. Well, maybe. Right. But how about well, why don't we just colonize your planet? You stay down below. Right. We'll colonize. You know, maybe you can provide us some recreation. 
for, right with that with your illusionary stuff right and and for that we'll we'll take care of feeding you right <laughs> you know you give us a little something we'll give you a little something and right. apart from that we'll leave you alone we'll leave each other alone right um, there are plenty of the the scientists who explore new worlds would have been fine mm-hmm. they would have loved that sure there was it no, makes no there sense. was no thought at all about why don't we see if we can work out a solution there was, and then it was just like, oh, but shh, because he says, well, why didn't even the captain even goes up and is just like, well, what about trade? And they're like, oh, we wouldn't do that. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, now here's like, the here's the thing that's gonna, that's just killing me is I can picture okay. the, the fans out there listening to me saying he hates Star Trek. No, he, you love Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I do. I, I think and, we've and, all gotten that. <laughs> and because I love it so much, I'm taking this new uh, this new look at it, and I I. There's something about I have to I have to do this honestly with you, you know. I have to keep reminding myself that I have to do this honestly too, because sometimes I just fall back on. But I love it, and so I, it all must be perfect. And that's just not the case. <laughs> it's there are some pretty big holes. I will say I do end up having to take, and I think anybody my age is going to have to do this. You have to take all of that and get through the holes. You have to, in the same way you get through the costumes and you get through the set paintings and you get through kind of the unsophisticated look and feel of everything until you get to something that you like. And I'm still, there are moments where I'm just like, oh, that was really good, but it hasn't been a full episode. I don't love star trek right now wow (laughs) i it has been very difficult and i i came to that realization actually also because i was like i am gonna watch what little girls are made of Mm -hmm. it sounded interesting i was like but i'm gonna do it not as though i'm looking for a podcast and looking to have fun and looking to talk about it later Mm -hmm. just because i want to see what this episode is talking about yeah oh it was tough (laughs) there was i would not have sat through that just for fun. Mm. I I am not going to rewatch these just for fun. I got it. I'm really hoping to get to ones that I do love that I can get to that I would sit down and watch just for fun. And I am think I am fully expecting that when I do and I am finally able to do that, it'll be great because I know all of the backstory or I can kind of tell where it came from and all of the history and it'll make it a little bit richer, Mm -hmm. but I am, I'm waiting for that. (laughs) I totally gotcha. So, so I remember, so we've watched now four episodes, right? We watched, so we've watched the original pilot, which is the cage. That's the latest one. We started with the Corbomite maneuver, which you really liked. I did. I like, I enjoyed that one. You really liked that episode. You liked, you liked introducing, uh, all all the, you liked the characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, you thought they interacted well. You liked the twist, the positive twist. Very much. Yes. At, At the end of that, it didn't go where you expected it to. And then we got into a couple of episodes that you didn't care for as much. Taste of Armageddon was okay. Mm-hmm. It had holes. It had holes. Uh, but, yeah. but you were able to overlook some of those holes because there was some interesting yeah. stuff. Uh, but it wasn't your favorite, you said. Uh, and right. then we got to last week, we talked about The Naked Time, uh, which you just, I think you felt like you kind of lumbered through it. 
and I'm uh, maybe a little bit with this one too. But I, I, I still am looking forward. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I still am looking forward to more of what I like. I do have to bring up the Orion scene because this is, I think, the epitome of what would detract me from being a Trekkie fan. By the way, that is a very iconic thing in Star Trek, that girl. I had a feeling she was a lot like Leia's golden bikini and buns for Star Trek. It had that feel. In a way, (laughs) except, um, again, it it was only shown as a flashback in another Mm. episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that particular image never comes up again. There is another Orion woman. There's another Orion girl scene at some point. Uh, Yeah, played by actually played by Yvonne Craig, who uh, later went on to play Batgirl on the TV series Batman, starring Adam West. So that's fun. There you go. Uh, But it's a very different kind of character. She's crazy. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what did you think of 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 that particular scene? It was a crude fantasy and i understand it in context like if i was going to put the prettiest picture on this what i would say was the aliens don't truly understand this man so they've taken scrapings from a smattering of things that he must have thought throughout his life that had sexual undertones and put them together in this extremely naive fantasy of what a man wants. Well, they kept, trying to, they kept trying to get him to like, to fall in love with her. Right. Which happened despite their interference, actually. It kind of seemed like all of the moments when he was actually uh, liking her was when she was actually engaging with him in the actual cage or when they weren't trying to manipulate her at all or him. That's which which tells me that all of that was that like that's the best that's the best i could say about that scene at the worst i would have to say that he really is that guy who wants to sit next to these two mouth breathers who are panting over this green girl doing a hula dance <laughs> and <laughs> And at, and on another level than that, I have to accept that. Say whatever you have to say. It's this, okay. this one's hard to say because I love you and you're sitting in front of me. Say whatever I have to say. This is what makes me believe in the Captain Sweatpants Trekkie persona that makes my lip curl. Is that they would sit there and be like, oh my god, yeah, and they are that mouth breather sitting next to the captain, watching that, thinking that it's great. Ugh. Okay. And the funny thing, it's not like, like, I've watched Netflix. They get way worse. There's no nudity. It's not, it's just so crude. And there's no level of any kind of... I don't even like not it's not it's not even like romance or uh, lust or passion what is it that is so missing from that that it just I don't even know what it is but it makes me disgusted and I'm just I, like I, I got it you know it's it's interesting because when you see the character of number 1 
Mm-hmm. It is so it, like you don't put that character in that position. You don't create that if you aren't trying to make a statement about women being right, right, able to be up there working right along, not up there alongside men. You right. Know? It's so funny. We talk about this from the 60s point of view and, and even my languaging changes to up there and things like that. I noticed that that I'm starting to look at it from that point of view, from that 1960s mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, so I see that and I see he was trying to create diversity. He was trying to create a level playing field between the sexes or at least to show that these things were possible. And then he was making a TV show from the 60s, you know, and and right. so, yeah, it was the Game of Thrones. Let's let's put the dancing slave girl up there moment or the, you know, the Westworld or whatever the heck is on right now that that. Right. Where they do that. Where they do that over and over and over again, because honestly, people tune in for, you know, sex sells. Always has. And the funny thing is, is I don't mind sex selling. There's, there's a lot of sex in life and that doesn't bother me as long as it's a part of the story, as long as it's for a reason, as long as even if that reason is just to show intimacy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You're establishing a character who is like this or who fantasizes like this. So maybe that's where the disconnect happens for me is they go from, oh, maybe what you want is to let loose and you want to do something against the rules. You want to hear a th- And that immediately goes into something so – is it gene- – it's, it's just like the – the very it's so basic. I I, and I <laughs> yeah. agree with I agree with you on on certain levels. Um every time that they tried to put a fantasy in front of him, mm-hmm. there was something wrong in his mind with it. But they were all misogynistic. Mm-hmm. You have to protect the girl from the big bad warrior guy. Right. She's a princess in distress. The girl you 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 brought the girl out for the picnic, but she's the one setting up the picnic and, you know. Yep. I mean, he didn't look like he was really thrilled to be in any of these places. And then, of course, the 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 Orion slave girl scene. He didn't particularly look happy he, to be there either. And he ran away from it. He yes, got he up did. And he ran Which away was, because. Yeah. That, um, but you're right. The Telosians got it wrong with him every time. Every Yeah, they did. I think if I harp on the woman thing too much, that I'm going to get pushback on that. It's I, I need to accept it. It's a product of its time and just move on. And I really love doing this with you in particular because mm-hmm. watching it with new eyes, you are completely open to seeing how obnoxious that is. It's really hard to get to the story when the first thing you see is every male on set suddenly stops and turns and there's an aura of beauty around this 18-year-old youthful blonde woman as she arises from the mist. Like, you can feel it, that this was said to the actors and that this was the point. And you do that enough as a TV show. And I, as a viewer, am going to tune out. 
we get so amazed when it's just like, oh, finally, there's a woman who's president in Australia, or finally, there's a few, let's go sci-fi. Finally, there's a female Doctor Who. Not a companion is a woman, not a helper, not a second in command. And people lose their minds. How dare you give a Why wouldn't you have that as a default? Having number one on that show was a very advanced thing for a woman. And yet, I was, one of the things I was trying to do while I was watching the show was I was thinking, because I was thinking this very thought, where are the empowered women in Star Trek? And then I thought, where, sure. where were the empowered women in television back in the 60s? And I'm not a huge 60s fan. Sure. And there was only one show that I could think of that I was familiar with that had what I considered to be an overly empowered female character. The show was Bewitched. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and ironically, the character that the, the, the title character, the lead character, um, Samantha Stevens, played by Elizabeth Montgomery, who was a witch, who was married to a mortal, married mm-hmm. to Darren Stevens. And that's not the empowering character. Yeah, she was very powerful and she was fun and she was, she, and, and the, the actress definitely was in charge of that show. That was her show. Good for her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but she was very apologetic about using her powers because Darren the human didn't want her to and she was always having to bend her will mm-hmm. or, or to bend to his will rather she had to constantly try not to use her powers and that's where a lot of the comedy came from in that show right so was, my my first thought was she wasn't a very empowered character at all because she was always having to kind of appease the husband who didn't want her doing the witchcraft right so the the comedy came from that but her mother and Dora, played by Agnes Moorhead, took no junk. Am I allowed to say crap? You can say crap. I can say crap? That's yeah. not like that. Okay. She took no crap from anybody. She was she was separated from her husband, mm-hmm. Samantha's father, another character on the show. She was a recurring character. But when she came on, she was a whirlwind and she didn't care. What she did, she loved her, her kid, but man, she, when she came on the show, she was she, anything goes, and she was an empowered character. And I, I, I like, I really started to, I, I got to go back and watch some Bewitched now because, because I want to see how they handled that. But even the show that I thought of, hey, there's an empowering character, empowered female character, mm-hmm. Sam- Samantha Stevens. Actually, not. Actually not. No. You know what it makes me think of, though? And this may be a little bit later. I don't know when to place this movie, but it's one of my favorites. Is You know what? All of her life. Catherine Hepburn. Mm. She rocked the smart woman, didn't take crap, but was still likable, yeah. lovable, was still a woman, was still very much... Uh, you could put her in, in relationships and things. And yeah. I... And the funny thing is, is I don't know, I wasn't there in the 60s, but I imagine that women were not what they were shown on TV in real life. There were strong, smart women all throughout history. Just because we don't see it on TV doesn't mean it wasn't there. Absolutely. Same way, same way it is today. And, and you can put that to any generic thing. Just because all you see on TV during a certain period of time is this idiot father who bumbles around doesn't mean that dads are like that in real life. Yeah. And it just, it becomes something that 
you have to get over, I guess. Well, it, you know, it's one of those things that you can either choose to have be a problem for you mm-hmm. with all these episodes, or sure. or you can do what I've chosen to do. And and here's how I'm going to go forward with this. I, okay, I'm, tell me. I'm looking for where the fights were with the with the network executives. That's what I want to try and find. As <laughs> okay, I, as that's I do this, fun. Because because I know there were fights. I know that there were massive fights about getting this in or that in, this concept, that thing. You know, we're talking about an, a, a show that had, among other things, the first interracial kiss was kiss. in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, that show was banned in certain in certain parts of the United States because of that. We're, we are we are exactly three Captain Kirks and one Captain Pike into this whole thing. I'm judging too harshly. I can't hear got, you. You've got many more Captain Kirks, a whole ton of Captain Picards, a bunch of Commander Siskos. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> and then we're going to get to the Captain Janeways. And stay I don't know who that is either. I know you don't. And I am. Um, but I like, she, she sounds, a chick captain? She's a chick captain. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a fa- and it's a fantastic. How come I've never series. heard of her? Well, because you haven't watched Star Trek. All right, that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I promise you, you're going to see a progression that's going to show you what what Roddenberry was up to, what Gene Roddenberry was up to with with creating this vision of a future where uh, we've just overcome so much of the stuff, and there's new stuff for us to overcome and new stuff for us to explore and. Well, I'm I'm excited about that, and I can I can see elements of uh, of really awesome things in in the stories and the characters. I just want them to be just as much as all of the others. I want them to be good characters. I want to want to watch them. I don't feel like that's a difficult ask of a TV show. Uh, it's it's, it's not. not. Are, are, well, so let me ask you because I'm a little I, I'm 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 curious. Are you not? What is, are you not wanting to watch right now? Hmm. Let me think of that one. That's not it. I do enjoy some of the stuff. I do feel like probably a lot of other people who I have to get over so much. And that's just, that's the female thing is such a small part of that. Mm-hmm. It, there's a lot. And I've said this before the production value, there's a lot to get over. The, unbelievability of the fight scenes is really hard to get over the when they embrace each other it feels like this black and white movie where they move and then they hug and you know that movement from all like those old and i was just like where are these why aren't they just hugging why are they behaving so oddly it's yeah you know they were making black and white movies back when these TV shows were coming out. Right? I did not know that. Yeah. Were, these they weren't were originally black some... and white. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, well, oh my god, old. No, no, no. But, but, the, <laughs> but, but, we're, you're actually talking about the same time frame. We're talking the about the same. Era. There's a reason why they're behaving this way. It was because it was an acceptable way to hug each other, yeah. uh, male and female. They would just grab each other's shoulders and then kind of pull each other in and then hold there. Well, this is also a time when a married couple were not allowed to sleep in the same bed on television. Right. Where where I, uh... one of four feet was required to be on the ground whenever a couple was in bed. Wow. I got to get my so, head out of 
right now. So, I got to really get my, I, yeah. So maybe th- that's just it. I think you're going through a bit of a, a bit of a kind of a, a, a culture shock, a bit of a. I think I am. 50 years later. Mm-hmm. Wait, was it really like this? Uh, the, I, I will enjoy the stories that hold up. I know I will because I enjoyed the Corbamite maneuver. I really, I did. I, I liked the story. And even A Taste of Armageddon, I liked the story. Uh, so if I feel like I have to get past that, I don't mind getting past that. I'll completely accept some of, some, most, I'll completely accept these things. If, if the story's worth it. When the story's not worth it, I'm going to be like, meh. And that's what we're going to try and find out. Yeah. Are the, are, the, are the stories good? Because ultimately, I've said this and I'll keep saying it. Mm-hmm. Star Trek for me is about the characters mm-hmm. and about the stories. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the Klingons look like. I mean, I do, but the Klingons change a lot. You haven't even met the Klingons. You want to meet the Klingons? I do. Does that mean that I'm going to be watching the Klingons this next episode? Let's meet the Klingons. Fun. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're a big deal. So are they the big bad? They are. They were slated to be the big bad of the original series. Okay. Okay. Or, All right. Or one of the big bads. Okay. Okay. This is one of my all-time favorite episodes. But then you knew that. <laughs> yes. The episode we're going to watch is called Errand of Mercy. Errand of Mercy. Errand of Mercy. Errand of Mercy was the... Uh, it was the 26th episode, 26th. So it was near the end of the very long first season. Um, the first season had 20, what, 28, 29 episodes. Um, wow, had a lot of episodes. And this was the 26th That is a episode. lot. It was originally made on March 23rd, originally aired March 23rd, 1967. So Okay. So it is... Over 50 years old. I get to see where the Klingons come from. So this this is the start of a very long journey with uh, what I think is one of the more interesting races that they come up with in, in all of Star Trek. But this is the one where they're introduced. So there's no backstory behind them. There is no as backstory cool. to them. We, we, all right. You get to see the, 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 the establishment of the Klingons. Um I got to wait a whole week to talk to you about the thing that's in my mind. <laughs> Put a pin right in now. it. I, my pin is in it now. I put a pin in it. I really, really want to talk about this because I'm like. Uh-huh. Awesome. I like that. We'll see. I can't say. Pin, 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 pin. I'm putting 17 pins. Um. So there you go. So Errand of Mercy. So you're going to be watching Errand of Mercy on Sunday. I am. I'm going to be watching this on October 8th, uh, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, and that's Sunday evening. Yes. Follow along at Begin the Trek, and I tend to say silly things, so I hope you like it. Yeah, you do, actually. <laughs> I, haven't, I actually haven't <laughs> seen fun. your tweets from uh, from the cage yet. I'll have to take a look at them. I don't watch. I don't look at any of your tweets until after we talk. Because really? Oh, I don't. And, and it's like, I know they're sitting. Torture? Like, I didn't I didn't know you didn't look at them. Because no, some of the them. stuff that I talk about here is completely informed by, well, of course it is. It was my first reactions. I go back and look at it. I go back and look at it after. After. To see gotcha. what your tweets are. But I don't want, like, I want my, my real reaction to your genuine thoughts as you okay. were telling them to me. And All if right. I if I get those by reading your tweets, 
nobody gets to hear anything that, you know, they don't get to hear you say, I don't love Star Trek. And me go, <gasps> and you said, I don't love Star Trek right this minute. You, that's what you said. Oh, I, I don't love Star Trek right now. Right so, now. Yeah, right I don't. now. But see, I didn't even know about seven seasons of a bad a Captain Commander person who's I'm probably going to love because I love her on Orange is the New Black. And uh, I'm excited. There we go. So I'm excited. I, I am. I'm excited. Giving the gift of Star Trek means preaching peace over war. It means bettering mankind rather than playing to our baser instincts. It means trying to become more than we are. And what I'm up to is trying to create people, trying to create a group of people that still love the idea of man can be better than we are. Mankind can be better than we are. And that it's worth striving for. And I know right now we're going through a bunch of misogynistic episodes, but it's laying that base for a epic of that. And that's what we're up to. Mm-hmm.